Ahoy, me fellow adventurers, and a warm welcome back to the Song of the Seven Seas, a D&D play by post-turned-AI audio experience. Avast, ye scallywags. Gather round as we set sail once more in Chapter 2, The Damsel in the Dress. The ship sways gently on the rolling waves, the quiet creak of timbers, and the murmur of the sea, the only sounds under the pale moonlight. Captain McRae stands at the helm, his eyes firmly set on the distant horizon, the echoes of the crew's camaraderie from the magical item gifting still fresh in his ear. But a new day beckons, and with it a new chapter in this grand adventure. The previous day's discovery had filled the air with a sense of urgency. The heart of the ocean, a mythical artifact of untold power and value, now stands as their collective goal, as decided by a dragon turtle of immense age and wisdom. The coded map, when paired with the notes in the logbook, point to a cluster of islands known as the Serpent's Teeth as their next destination. According to ancient seafarers' tales, these islands are known to be treacherous and are rumored to be inhabited by fierce creatures and guarded by ancient enigmatic magic. As the new day's dawn paints the sky in hues of orange and red, Captain McRae gathers his crew on deck once more. Crew, he begins, his voice clear over the sounds of the sea. The serpent's teeth await us. Rumors suggest the islands are dangerous, but I believe in us. Remember, the heart of the ocean is more than just a treasure. It's a test of our metal, our unity. As the ship surges forward towards the distant islands, a sense of excitement fills the air. The crew members are ready. Their journey has only just begun. The crew sets a course for the serpent's teeth. How do they prepare for the challenges that lay ahead, and what thoughts fill their minds as they journey towards these fabled islands? Tempest awakens in the crow's nest with no memory of how she got there. Not an unusual occurrence, really. She is half reclined in a tangle of netting, nearly as snarled as the salt-encrusted mane she has neglected brushing a bit too long. She blinks her heavy eyelids against the beautiful but perhaps too insistent sunrise as memories click into place like an interlocking puzzle. She pats herself down quickly and is pleased to find that while she doesn't feel perfect, she is ready for the day with no lingering effects. Con check eleven? All right. Let's go find some mythical heart. She mutters as she looks around from the best vantage point on the ship to see where everyone is. Perception twelve. Guess everyone else is still asleep. Her voice has a gravelly edge to it as she notes only the captain and a few decans about it. She wonders how much singing and laughter it took last night to leave her throat feeling this raspy. She decides to climb down and go report to Captain McRae and get her bearings, but as she begins to climb down, Athletic Six, she loses her grip on the rope and falls butt over barnacles, the final fifteen feet, Dex save Nate One, landing prone on her back with a thud. Feckin' hells! She exhales in pain as she rolls over and looks at what cushioned her fall laughing despite her pain. Why do we have so many damn sacks of potatoes on this ship? At some point during the party, Sophia had managed to slip away, probably easily since everyone was roaring drunk by the time she left. In her drunken stupor, she was possessed by the thought of fashioning together a marvellous armour made of the iridescent scales she pocketed. Wait until the others see this is, 
She chuckled and swayed as she found her way to Rob's workbench in the dark of the night. <sighs> Was it what's it? Sophia wakes with a start at the commotion of crewmates getting the day started. She finds herself splayed out on the floor of Rob's work area, his hammer in her hand and one of her legs propped against a crate. Oh, what the hell did you do now, Safia? She mutters as she slowly gets into a sitting position, her pounding headache, fighting her every inch of the way up. Con save eight! She looks down at her shirt to check for any vomit and finds a beautiful, well-fitted armor made of iridescent scales instead. A look of gleeful surprise overtakes her. What did you do, Safia? After the long night of drinking and shutting down for six hours after the little robot, makes his way back to his workbench. As he rounds the corner to his workbench, he sees Safia. Were you using my equipment, without asking? He says before he sees what she made. Oh my god! What is that amazing thing you made? He says in admiration and confusion. Safia turns to look at Rob, looking down at her, and immediately hides the hammer, poorly behind her back. Sleight of hand ate with disadvantage, since she's hungover. No? After she sees his face brighten with amazement, she joyfully jumps to her feet. Yes! She models the armor clumsily. Feast your eyes, my friend. You're not the only tinkerer on this ship. Her smile is especially toothy. You made more progress drunk than I made sober. And you didn't start any fires? The little robot says amazed at her craftsmanship. Safia's face scrunches as she looks behind herself at the workbench to notice a tiny singed spot. A wisp of smoke wafts near imperceptibly from it. She turns back around, nodding. Yes, drunk Safia definitely didn't start any fires. She places the hammer away and beams down at her friend, proud to see how impressed the resident tinkerer was with her. Did I miss anything topside this morning? Any of us fall overboard again? She asks as she walks with Rob out of the room, pulls herself up off the sack of potatoes, and tries to play off her fall as she heads towards the helm. She imagines herself to be making a passable attempt until she catches a few stares. Deception 9, she looks at the nearest crew member giving her a look and says in what she believes to be a stern tone, You didn't see anything. Intimidation 5? Of course I did. You just fell out the crow's nest flat on your ass. Everybody saw, he replies bluntly. She is about to reply, but spots Sophia and Rob and is glad for the excuse to disengage. What, Sophia? Duffy's cloak is going to have some competition. I need to step up my game, it appears. She gushes over the marvelous use of scales and self-consciously touches her wild mane. Tam! Safia clasps her by the shoulders and gives her the widest smile. Thank you! Apparently drunk, Safia is a tinkerer. Who knew? She then shakes her head upon seeing her friend touch her own hair. You are a sight to behold yourself, but I'm happy to lend a comb if you ever need one. Safia lets her go and looks between H. Tempest and Rob. So where's our favorite navigator? And where did you even wake up from? Safia smirks at Tempest while pointing a thumb to Rob and laughs. Rob found me in his workshop. Laughs at the image. I would imagine our dear navigator to be with the captain, or possibly still studying the back of her eyelids.
I wouldn't mind a bit more of that myself, but we've a heart to find. Let's go see what the captain has for us today. Bounds up a serpentine passage composed of ropes, sailors, cargo, and more to reach the helm where they find Captain McRae. Morning, Captain! Tempest bellows cheerfully, immediately regretting the volume that reverberates in her own swollen head. How far you reckon we've to sail to these teeth? Captain McRae turns at the sound of his name, a grin spreading across his weathered face at the sight of Tempest. The cheerful bellow resonates throughout the ship, instantly lifting the morning's foggy mood. Good morning, Tempest, he replies, his voice steady against the wind. His eyes shift back to the sea, where the distant silhouette of the serpent's teeth is slowly coming into view. Ah, the serpent's teeth, he murmurs, his gaze steady. A few hours, I reckon, assuming the winds are in our favor. His hand instinctively goes to the captain's compass, checking for any immediate dangers. Satisfied, he nods at Tempest. Keep your wits about you. We're heading into uncharted waters, and we need every eye sharper, but I've a feeling we'll make it through just fine. How does Tempest react to the captain's information and advice? How does the rest of the crew prepare as the serpent's teeth draws near? Give me a minute to make my special hangover drink, and I'll be good to take over the crow's nest. Sophia mutters, as she disappears to find a potato for the drink. Once she has the drink made, she clambers up the sizable mast, with one hand firmly gripping her cup. Even with a headache, she makes the climb safely up, all while sipping her headache cure throughout. Acrobatics 26. Whoever was here last really made a mess of things. She mutters with disapproval, and flicks a discarded sock off the crow's nest, a tempest's head down below. Unfortunately, the wind picks up and the sock finds its home on Duffy instead. Two, to attack Lull, Duffy woke from her little side table, where she'd passed out after studying the charts all night yet again. She raised her head, the quadrant she had been using, perfectly, deeply, and unknowingly imprinted into the side of her face. She stretched and got up feeling remarkably rejuvenated and rested despite sleeping, hunched over the little table. Con 22, she adjusted her clothes and gathered her things before she bounced up to the top deck in cheerful spirits as she whistled a tune. As she made her way to McRae, she spotted her close mates and beamed. Waddy I am! She heard a slight whir on the breeze and caught sight of a sock flying down from the nest, purse 24, and tried to jump out from under it, but stumbled and landed on her back, a clock ten, the sock drifting to her back. Stop over her face. What the hell? She looked up at the crow's nest, perplexed, before getting back up on her feet. Who the hell's throwing their dirty laundry? S-A-F? She brushed herself off and flipped off Sophia, before waving, adjusted her cloak, and sauntered over to her other friends, and aren't we all looking mighty chipper this morning? Mmm, Duffy grinned teasingly. She leaned her elbows on the railing, looking down into the water below. So what's the latest? Do I want to hear it from McRae first, or your retelling? Laughs at Duffy being assaulted by a sock. Long story short, the serpent's teeth loom near. Captain says the maps lack the detail we need to ensure safe passage, so we'll need some of that majestic billowing cloak power to guide us through the reefs. Think you can handle it? 
I'll set to trimming the sails so we're ready for the maneuverability needed once we're closer and can cut the speed. The little robot heads back down to his workbench, determined to finish what he was working on. There is hammers, swearing and other strange sounds coming from his area. Duffy laughs at Tempest, shaking her head. Let's stick to just wading our way through, shall we? I have no desire to be strung up to the mast, thank you. Besides, you and I are probably better off having a peek below the surface as we sail in any case. Watches Rob head off and listens to the sounds that follow. If he blows a hole in the side of the captain's ship, it will not go well. Shrugs and turns back to Duffy with a mad grin. Dancing Dragon doesn't need a figurehead with us around, eh? Care for a dip? Tempest leans her trident against the beautifully seasoned wooden cabin beside her and removes her bulkier outer garb to reveal she was prepared for Duffy's idea. Hanging it on a copper peg, covered in a heavy patina that was anchored there for the purpose, she retakes her weapon of choice now that she is in her favoured diving costume. A form-fitting arrangement of oil-treated leather straps and seal hide that lets her glide and move through the water like a second skin. Last one in is a rotten potato. She yells loud enough to ensure she draws Sophia's attention to what they're doing. She then sprints to the bow of the ship and gracefully leaps up onto the railing. Planting one foot, she spins to face backwards as she vaults over the edge, falling forward and away from the ship as she flips Duffy the bird before arching her back into a graceful entry into the sea. Acro 19? Why, yes. Finally, it's coming together, the little robot exclaims, while working on the little dragon-turtle construct he is making, History 19. Duffy returned Tempest's grin with a wild one of her own, the excitement getting the better of her. She laughed at Tempest's graceful send-off into the water before she, too, leapt up onto the railing. Her hand wrapped around a stray rope from the rigging and slid effortlessly around one foot as she took a couple of swings, gaining momentum. On the wide swing out from the side of the ship, she let go, just as she let out a maniacal laugh of joy, arms splayed out like wings as she proceeded with three somersaults before she hit the water with a flawless dive, a crow twenty. Things sure are lively on the dancing dragon this morning, aren't they? Safia mumbles happily to herself after hearing Rob's exclamation of success and seeing Tempest and Duffy vault off the ship and into the ocean. Lucky ducks, a fish, a sea people she stumbled over how to categorize them in this particular say. Guess I'd better do my duty as well, she sighs, then pulls out a spyglass on loan from another pirate. Perception 9, she didn't seem to see anything of particular note at the moment, but she does have a thing to recall what type of territory they were entering into, and what kind of weather too. Expect nature 80. Indeed, Sophia, Captain McCries, his eyes twinkling with mirth. Never a dull day aboard the dancing dragon. He watches her fumble with the spyglass, trying to make out any potential threats in the horizon, and then attempting to decipher the weather patterns. The look of concentration on her face brings a smile to his lips. As for the weather, the captain nods approvingly when he sees Safia evaluating the sky, the wind, and the sea. Good job, Safia, he commends. Always be aware of the sea's moods. She can be as unpredictable as a storm whim. As Safia draws upon her knowledge of nature, she can discern that they are heading into a tropical climate. 
The clouds in the distance appear to be peaceful, and the sea is currently calm. The air is humid, carrying the faintest hint of exotic flowers and lush vegetation. However, she also knows that such climates are prone to sudden and severe storms. Keep your eyes peeled, Safia, he says. This part of the sea is beautiful, but she hides her dangers well. What will Safia and the rest of the crew do as they enter the territory of the serpent's teeth? How do they respond to the potential for sudden weather changes? Safia nods at the captain's advice and makes note of the current weather and the weather that may be imminent. She's behaving mighty well right now, but best keep your eyes peeled, friends! She shouts with intent at the rest of the crew, but more pointedly at her closest friends. Sophia looks over the side of the ship to yell at the spot where Duffy and Tempest last jumped in. Yeah, see anything down there? Any rocks to avoid as we approach the island? The waters ahead of the ship are still turbulent. As the seafloor rises shallower, the sands swirl in eddies around the increasingly numerous reefs, stony projections, and other obstacles the Tempest can't quite make out due to the poor visibility. Perception that one, she is barely able to keep herself from slamming into objects, actually failing once or twice and hoping that Sophia is able to keep sight of her progress as a guide of where not to direct the ship at least. Sight failing her, she refocuses on the currents and what they tell her about the geography of the seabed ahead, as she hopes to find the safest route still. Survival 11, the going is tough, and she hopes that Duffy is faring better. Duffy can hear Sophia yelling above the waves, but she struggles to get to the surface to relay their surroundings. Perception 15, the turbulent waves shoving her further under. Athletics 8. Duffy's vision is distorted by the swirling currents and salty water but her experienced eyes are quick to adjust. Despite the wave's tumultuous attempts to shove her deeper into the sea, she is able to navigate her surroundings with relative ease. She sees a vibrant underwater ecosystem thriving beneath the surface. Schools of colorful fish dart to and fro among the thick kelp forests and coral reefs. She spots a few sea turtles meandering along the seafloor and a playful pod of dolphins weaving through the waves above. But as she delves deeper and her eyes adjust to the dimmer light, she begins to notice the vague shadows lurking beneath the lively aquatic landscape. The seafloor drops off into an abyss, a chasm of darkness that suggests the presence of a deep trench or underwater cave system. It's too far and too dark to discern what might be hiding in the depths, but Duffy knows that such places are often home to creatures best left undisturbed. Her gaze shifts upwards as she catches sight of a large silhouette passing overhead. It's a massive sea creature, perhaps a whale or something larger, moving with a slow, powerful grace. How does Duffy react to what she sees? Will she attempt to get closer to the large silhouette or remain where she is, observing from a distance? Hoping to blend in with the brackish current, Duffy attempts to inch slowly closer to the massive shadow above her, hoping to hell it isn't another ancient temperamental sea creature. The violent ebb and flow pulls her about, fighting her attempt to close the distance, still concealed, stealth eleven. Underwater, Duffy struggles against the churning current, trying to get closer to the massive shape looming above her. Despite her best attempts to remain undetected, her movements disrupt a nearby school of fish 
that scatter in a frenzy, sending a flurry of bubbles to the surface. Though the disruption seems minor, it's enough to ripple outwards, causing the large shape to momentarily pause. From the ship, the rest of the crew can see the turbulent waves thrashing about, a sure sign of Duffy's presence beneath. They can also notice the strange behavior of the local sea life birds, circling in the sky, dolphins darting away. What actions will the crew take upon observing these unusual happenings? Will someone dive in to assist Duffy, or attempt to identify the large shape from the ship? Will the crew prepare for a possible confrontation with the unknown creature? Meanwhile, back on board, the crew member manning the crow's nest might get a clearer view of the situation. Unfolding perception check, please. For those versed in nature or maritime lore, they could try to identify the creature based on Duffy's description or the behavior of the surrounding sea life, nature, or history check, please. As the ship is currently in turbulent waters, it might be prudent for someone to man the helm and attempt to steady the dancing dragon, ensuring it doesn't capsize amidst the waves. Athletics check, please. McRae, always mindful of his crew, might be considering whether to intervene directly, issue specific orders, or trust his seasoned crew to handle the situation. His leadership and strategy could be crucial in this moment. Insight or strategy check, please. Being small and not as quick as the bigger folk, the little robot climbs his way up to the crow's nest to be the lookout. Fourteen athletics, twelve plus two from built for success. He peers down at the sea, getting his bearings to call down directions. Perception eighteen. Seeing something following his crewmate, he uses the borrowed spyglass too. Get a closer look. History eleven. As Duffy fought the current to stay out of the shadow of the unknown presence. She racked her brain, sifting through everything she and her father had seen together all those years. The books she'd torn through, reading up on the treacherous waters they once sailed. Anything that would give her a clue as to what loomed above her. History nineteen. Sophia claps Rob on the shoulder and passes him the spyglass she had used before as he makes his way up to the crow's nest. She meanwhile jumps to man the helm, though it is not her usual station. She still manages to keep it steady enough, though it takes great effort for the novice. Athletics eleven, damn, harder than it looks. She mutters with a strained smile, just as stubborn to keep a light-hearted presence as she is in keeping the ship steady. Her preoccupation with her task at hand has her at a disadvantage with providing insight at the moment, so she is unable to contribute any input to the situation arising. Insight eight. Sensing something is amiss in her aquatic surrounds, Tempest signals one of the passing dolphin pods for aid. Animal handling twenty plus friend of the sea, the intuitive creatures offer their dorsal fin to Tempest and whisk her directly to Duffy. She scoops her from behind with the pod's assistance as the dolphins deliver the pair back to the ship, breaking the surface. Duffy, are you okay? What is that thing? Duffy's face paled, completely trying to hold down her panic as her gaze pierced Tempest. We need to get the hell back on the ship right now! Seeing the swimmers start to move away from the creature, Rob yells out H R R D T O P O P O R T A N D G E T T T H E C A N N O N S R R A A D Y, thinking they might need something to distract the creature and give his crewmates time to make it back to the ship. 
Hearing Rob's shouts of action from above, Duffy takes the opportunity to climb back up the side of the ship. She reaches up, trying to gain a foothold in the boards, but her foot slips, and she crashes back down into the water. She looks up and spies Rob R.O.B. Mind throwing down a rope? She glances behind her into the shadows of the water as she waits for help and follows up with a shout, hoping to hell they know what she's talking about. A B-O-L-A-T, huh? Hearing Duffy yell, Rob ties a quick knot, but knots are not his specialty, and throws a rope down to them. Even as panic swelled amidst the crew of the dancing dragon, nature itself seemed to pay them no heed. The relentless sun began to descend, its brilliant rays casting long, ominous shadows upon the sea's surface. Among the discord, a sudden glint on the horizon caught the eye of Captain McRae, his stern gaze momentarily swayed from the looming aboleth and towards the shore. There, he bellowed, pointing towards the unexpected beacon. Something's reflecting on the shore. Could be a signal, or at least a good place to dock for safety. It was hard to discern what exactly was causing the reflection. It could have been anything, glass, polished stone, a piece of metal. But in the midst of their current peril, it was a beacon of hope. Stay the course for now, McRae hollered, turning to his first mate. Keep an eye on that aboleth, but ready the crew to change tack at my command. If we can't outrun or fight this creature, we may need to make for that shore. The crew fell into a flurry of activity, some readying the cannons as commanded, others straining their eyes towards the mysterious glimmer on the shore. Amidst the chaotic dance of pirates, the dancing dragon, for all her worth, kept her prow aimed at the glinting beacon, an island of promise amidst a sea of uncertainty. Duffy lunged up for the rope and grabbed hold wrapping, the end securely around her foot as she started to make her way up. She climbed as fast as she could, hoping to swing herself up the rest of the way, but remained on the rope to make the scrambled ascent. Acro 12. Sophia swears and peels the rogue's sock that had flown smack into her face. For a moment, she's unable to make heads or tails of anything, Perception 3. Hey, mateys, I appreciate letting me have a turn at practicing my steering, but can someone more competent please relieve me? She pleads, and is heard by one of the best helmsmen on the ship, who collects their wits and takes over for Sophia, persuasion that 20 plus 8. Thank you, she says hurriedly, before running towards Rob near the side of the boat. She grabs some nearby rope and fashions it into a lasso, before throwing it down around Tempest. Survival 15, Temp, it's time to come up now. Sophia looks over at Duffy, scrambling up the side of the ship as well. She tries to reach a hand out to her friend, but is unable to take even a finger off of the rope she has tied to Tempest. Athletics 8. Duff, you all right? I'd lend you a hand, but they're busy pulling in a large, formidable catch of a sea elf. Duffy huffs a laugh as she nears the top of the railing. It's all those goddamn potatoes! Um, all right, Saf. Inexplicably finding herself lassoed by Sophia, Tempest considers helping out as she's heaved out of the water, smacking against the side of the ship as it churns through the water. She has enough strength to keep from being bashed senseless by the botched rescue, Athletics 12, and yells at Sophia, Don't let that thing eat me. It's so slimy. She cries out more insistently, 
urging Sophia to do all the work to save her, as she dangles like a fabulously dressed marionette, watching the chaos that is their crew unfold around her. She is well aware she is capable of pulling herself onto the deck, on her own at this point, and is beyond imminent danger, but is enjoying a bit of payback at her sock-loving friend's expense. Perception, twenty-two. Pull harder, Sophia. Sophia rolls her eyes at her friend's plea. She knows for a fact that this sea elf could pull off a double axle flip back onto the boat if she wanted to. Insight, twelve. Yeah, yeah, I'm heaving as hard as I can, but I think you may be packing on the potatoes way too hard temp. Yeah, heavy a sudden wave rocks the ship, and Sophia truly loses her grasp on the rope. Lengths of it slips wildly through her fingertips as she tries desperately to maintain a solid hold once. More. Athletics 5, R-O-B-D-U-F-F-H-E-L-P-M-E. Duffy just slept over the railing from her own ascent when she saw Sophia struggling to haul Tempest up. She dove for the rope slipping through Sophia's hands and pulled tight. Acro 18! Gaining a more stable anchor for Tempest grip! Don't worry, Dem, I've got you! You great sacks! With a great heave, she pulled Tempest the rest of the way up, back onto the ship's deck. Athletic 17. You guys got this! It's a long way down if you need my help, he says with a smile. Keeping his eyes on the monster, to make sure it doesn't get closer. Duffy clapped Tempest on the back and nodded. Thanks for the help down in the water. Hmm. She then addressed Sophia, as her head whipped about the deck, confirming everyone's whereabouts. All right, safe. Where's McRae? What's the order? See, an easy way for us to get to the safe spot McRae is pointing at... Sophia shouts up at Rob, before turning her attention back to Tempest and Duffy. I'm fine. Just need to have a talk with the crew about hygiene later is all. She grumbles before imparting McRae's orders to the both of them. All hands on deck, we're staying the course towards a point in the shore McRae saw. A few of the crew is also below deck ready at the cannons, in case the creature tries anything funny. She then looks over the railing to try to see the thing for herself. You both don't seem too keen on making nice with this one like you did the turtle dragon. I see a way to shore, but I can't tell how deep it is. There is no dock, so we should drop anchor and row in to be safe, Rob says as he scans the shore with the eyeglass. But I see no potato plants on shore. Duffy held up her hands in response to Sophia. I just fought the bloody things when under my father's command I never tried to negotiate with them. And all credit for the last one goes to the fish. She says as she points her thumb over her shoulder at Tempest. Duffy spins around at Rob's words, her face slackening briefly. W-A-D-O-N-D-E-D-A-M-Y M-O-R-A-P-U-T-O-T-O-A-S? I'm F-R-I-E-F-R-O-M-S-C-U-R-V-Y-F-O-R-L-I-F-A-W. I-T-H-T-H-E-H-E-H-E-A-M-O-U-N-T-W-N-T-W-E-A-A-L-R-E-D-Y-I-N-D-S-T-E-D-O-N-T-S-T-E-D-O-N-T-A-U-I-G-E
Investigation six. Safia, are you going to catch me? The little robot yells down from the crow's nest. I don't trust myself to climb down. Safia had her harmonica with the spell Calm Emotions ready to go at Duffy's outburst, but slowly put it away once her friend had resolved herself. Ain't nothing wrong with potatoes, Safia mutters as she looks up to Rob. Aye, I've got your arm. She stands by as best she can and casts her arms wide to catch the cannonball of a gnome. This probably wasn't the smartest idea, but hell was it on brand for this crew. W a t c h o u t b e l o w. Rob yells before jumping. The little robot jumps down with grace you would not expect from a construct. He even adds in a little flip for flair. Acrobatics twenty-two. Sophia whistles, seeing the chrome gnome's graceful dive and flip off the crow's nest. Impressive, Rob. But watch this. Ever the showboat at inappropriate times, Sophia takes a step forward. To prepare an acrobatic feat of her own, but slips on a puddle of water. She falls backwards, hits the back of her head on a barrel, and effectively knocks herself out cold, and leaves her friend with no one to catch him in his descent. Acrobatics, not one. Duffy had one leg dangling over the railing, getting ready to jump down into the rowboat when she heard Sophia knock herself out cold. She turned around to see her motionless body and looked up just in time to see Rob falling from the sky. Shit, Rob! What the she dove forth, her arms flung out as far as she could reach and lunged as far as her legs could spring. A crow thirteen. She caught Rob just in time and managed to keep them both from slamming into the deck. Strength thirteen before she set the little auto gnome down on shaky legs. Sweet suckling fairies. She scooted over to Sophia and looked her over. Um, you're sure out cold. Best sleep it off. She looked over her shoulder before dubiously pulling a corner of the cargo canvas that lay next to them over Sophia's upper body and awkwardly scuffled away. Medicine eight. Not who I expected, but thanks for the catch, Duffy. Rob looks around and sees Sophia out cold. He grabs a hammer and chisel off his vest. Reaching into his pouch, he gets a potato and starts carving it. Then he puts the potato in her mouth with symbols of healing on it. There, that should fix it, cure light wounds. Eleven halfback. Duffy nodded at Rob, then ran back to the railing, picking up her earlier task of securing the rowboat for the trip ashore. Stretching her arms for the workout she was about to get, and grabbed the oars. Athletics eighteen. Hey, who's coming along? A warm presence washes over Sophia, and she feels like a, well, like a starchy vegetable baked in the sun. She comes to bleary-eyed, with a potato in her mouth, and smelling lightly of fried slivers of cut potato. Where am I? She blinks awake in time to see Rob and Duffy hop into the rowboat. She doesn't quite understand the situation, but she throws off the canvas covering her and makes her way to the rowboat with her friends. What is happening? Are we abandoning ship? She asks them while chewing on the last bit of the healing potato and climbs into the rowboat to sit beside Duffy with an arm thrown over her shoulder. By the way, I think someone tried to kill me, even tried to hide my body under some canvas, but did a pretty poor job of it. Inside ten, she snorted, then winced at the soreness on the back of her head. 
Duffy had been staring out into the water, arms resting on the oars, when Sophia's words grabbed her attention. She bit her tongue, stifling the laugh and snort that threatened to burst out of her. Hmm, that is really weird. Weren't you just up around the crow's nest helping Rob? She shot Sophia a questioning look, then shrugged. Wonder what we'll find once we get ashore. Deception 19. Watches Sophia absolutely brain herself attempting a tempest special into the sea. She looks around at her audience and shrugs. Seriously, I just got out the damn Aboleth-infested waters? She then has the unique idea to do a very casual double-axle backflip off the ship to land at her friend's side. It occurs to her that she should have done this same maneuver to get onto the ship, but ignores the thought. Tater! she exclaims as she moves to check on Sophia with a note of concern, seeing her eyes still rolling around her head. Has anyone offered you a potato recently? Medicine eleven? she asks, pulling out a super stamina, saving spotted spud. She then looks around, gauging how safe they are in the relative shallows. Nature twenty? She doesn't know what her assessment tells her about the group's restive safety from the Aboleth, but she's certain it tells her something useful. Rob, where are you? We need to drive the Aboleth away? Make something explode? I'm right here and I have something I've been wanting to try, he says, with an evil grin. I hate to use a potato for this, but it is the perfect way to deliver the distraction. He grabs another potato and uses his chisel to hollow out the inside. Then he sticks nails in screws through it. He grabs a powder horn off his belt and fills the potato with gunpowder. What a waste of such a rare commodity. He then grabs the potato winehorn from Sophia and soaks a cloth in it and shoves the cloth in it and shoves the cloth in the potato, corking it on. With his chisel, he carves runes on the outside. I think we are far enough away from the explosion, the little robot says, before saying words of magic, making the runes glow and the potato catapults at the aboleth. Watches the improvised explosive potato arc majestically through the air. Counting her seahorses too soon in a fit of misplaced confidence, she shouts, Take that, you bastard! Intimidation, Nat 1. The Aboleth seems unamused. Shiny shark shit! Ow, W! While she's apparently not scary, she is a great rower barking out commands in an effort to turn the party into a well-oiled crew team in a heartbeat. Charisma 13. What the hell were you thinking, Rob? Mmm. Athletics 22. Safia claps in awe at Tempest's axle backflip onto the tiny rowboat. She's still not quite sure what is happening, but it looks like her friend Rob is having fun blasting a potato at the bad fish in the water. It only really sucks that he had to use her wine wineskin to do it. Opting not to row, Sophia pulls out her harmonica to play music worthy of the dancing dragon dinghy. A cheery and lively song erupts from her instrument, undeterred from her concussion. Performance Nat 20 plus 4? The Granado launches from the ship and arcs beautifully in the air, trailing a sputtering feud. It hits the water's surface and sinks headed directly for the looming shadow of the Aboleth. For a moment, nothing happens, and then a muffled explosion sends a torrent of water shooting upward, along with a monstrous roar that shakes the very sea around them. 
The Aboleth, now in pain and enraged, thrashes violently beneath the ocean, causing a giant swell that rocks the dancing dragon. It retreats momentarily, either from the shock of the unexpected attack or the need to nurse its wounds. It's hard to tell. Regardless, it buys the crew precious time to reach the rowboat and make their escape towards the island. As the small boat cuts through the waves towards the island, the crew members can see it growing larger. The island indeed seems to be shaped like a gigantic serpent, coiled and ready to strike, with a mountainous spine that rises sharply from the sea and undulates across the length of the island. The sun reflects off something shiny high on the mountain, perhaps a large metal structure or a building of some sort. There's a handful of smaller structures at the base of the mountain that could be dwellings or storage buildings. Further up, there are terraced plots of land that could be farms. The island appears deserted from this distance, but as they get closer, they might see signs of life. The rowboat's keel scrapes the sandy beach, and they have arrived. The island's mystery and whatever refuge it may offer lay ahead. Rob waits eagerly for one of the taller crew members to pull the boat further up the beach, excited to see dry land again. I guess we found another use for potatoes, he says, making nervous conversion. Aye, seems we have. Sophia responds as she's the first to hop off the boat and onto dry land. She helps to push the boat further onto the beach before reaching a hand to Rob to help him out of the boat as well. Need a hand? And that's why you are my favorite Sophia, the little gnome says as he accepts her help out of the boat. Now where to first? In the depths of the island's dense foliage, a solitary figure lurks, hidden amongst the shadows. Stealth twenty-two, ruby eyes of piercing intensity, filled with both hope and suspicion, follows the crew's every move. Silently, the figure studies the crew, observing their actions and interactions. It seeks to unravel the depths of their characters. Perception nineteen, it had to be sure that it would be safe to show itself to them, and that they weren't working for... <laughs> This was the first people it had seen in weeks, and this could be the only chance it would have to escape this hellhole. The crew, unknowing of the figure's scrutiny, remained oblivious to the vigilance directed their way. Before we head further into the island, I want to ask you all to avoid getting hurt him out of magical healing potatoes and low on gunpowder, the little robot says, as he follows behind Sophia. Anything for my favorite sponsor? Sophia winks conspiratorially at Rob, calling back to the card game she played only yesterday. I vote that we head towards that shiny thing on the mountain. You all know how I love shiny things. She turns to the others as they get off the boat, plus we can explore along the way. Duffy exhales a breath, arms sore from the long row, and dragging the boat up the beach. Athletics 18... She looked around and thought she caught a glimpse of movement off in the jungle, but couldn't determine anything from the blinding sunlight. She regards Sophia's words. I know this is hilarity in itself coming from me, but I am not sure it is wise to head there just yet. It may be worth our while to head toward those buildings and see what we may find for the trek. She nods her head in the direction of the structures. Aye, aye, Sophia nods before looking to Tempest and Rob for their input. I'll follow your lead, says, as he pulls out a dragon turtle scale and makes it shine. 
After the intense row to shore, Tempest still has enough adrenaline coursing through her veins to help Duffy drag the boat far enough up the beach to pass the high tide line. Athletics 21, she takes a moment to survey the landscape, moving her eyes slowly over the entire scene in front of her, as well as above. The encounter with the Aboleth has her concerned about a return trip to the Dancing Dragon, and her mind immediately moves to assess the natural resources available ashore should they need to wait out the creature for an extended period of time. Nature 17. I like the look of the clouds for the moment, but I agree with Duffy. We should look for any resources and shelter nearby, while we map out our long-term plan. Never know what awaits us ahead. Persuasion 17. I do believe that I could be of use, for that's a voice that none of the crew has heard before speaks, from longer inland, where the shore meets the foliage. A young woman steps out from within the shadows, where she had been observing the newcomers. The prospect of getting off this horrific island, overpowering her fear and suspicion. The harsh island environment has clearly left its mark on the woman's once impeccable appearance. Her flowing golden locks have become disheveled, knotted by salty sea winds and lack of proper care. Strands of hair frame her face, occasionally obscuring her bright ruby eyes that still retain their regal sparkle. Her fair complexion has been kissed by the unforgiving sun, turning her skin a shade darker, with freckles dotting her nose and cheeks. The garments adorning her body were clearly once an elaborate gown, now nothing more than a tattered remnant of its former beauty. A simple makeshift dress, fashioned from torn fabric and tied together with vines, now drapes her body, offering modesty and protection against the elements. Her hands, once adorned with dainty rings, now bear visible marks of her survival. Scars and calluses have emerged from the arduous tasks of foraging sustenance, constructing shelter, and defending herself against the island's adversities. Her once meticulously manicured nails now appear broken and uneven, testament to her tireless endeavors to adapt to the new surroundings thrust upon her. A beautifully crafted longbow is slung over her shoulders, along with two daggers and an ornate mirror strapped to a makeshift belt. She looks at the crew with piercing eyes, trying to look just as rough, tough, and dangerous as the crew does. Deception 20. Not Nat. Isabella de Valerian Arcturus. I be at your service. All I would need in return is a way of this island's, she says as she curtsies. A keen eye would be able to see that behind the tough facade there is a scared girl on the verge of crying. <coughs> the little robot yells as he turns to the newcomer, with his pistol drawn, and pointed at her, You need to be careful sneaking up on people like that. Lucky my itchy trigger finger had restrained today, he says, trying to be intimidating too. Duffy whips around, rapier in hand, and scoffs the tone coming off jokingly, You've some nerve sneaking up on a bunch of pirates like that, girl. Intimidation too? Her head turns slowly to appraise the woman that addresses them. Especially pirates that had you clocked the second you moved upwind of us. Deception 21, Tempus says to hide her utter surprise at the woman's appearance. She can't get a solid read on her intentions, but is moderately confident she is in greater need of assistance than she is a threat. Her shoulders relax at the thought. In sight 11, Sophia nods her head in agreement to Tempest's bluff 
and is just barely able to keep a neutral expression on her face. Deception, eleven, Isabella de Valley, un Artiticus, who? Sophia sputters at the mouthful of a name, not entirely convinced the stranger wasn't just casting a spell on them with those words. History, four. She couldn't pronounce the person's name, but she could tell just by the slightest quiver in the person's voice and rough appearance that they were scared and had been doing their best to survive this lung. Insight, Nat 20 plus 3, the half-elf lifts her hands up to signal that she was weaponless. I'm Sophia, and the others can introduce themselves to you if they want, but we're part of the Dancing Dragon. Our captain is a reasonable sort, so I'm sure a deal can be worked out between you two. A playful smile tugs her lips, but if you were to help us explore this island as best you could, without any funny business, then I think we could put in a good word or two to McRae once we got back on the ship. How does that sound? She looks from Isabella to her crewmates behind her. Uh, persuasion 14? Isabella's heart races as the little robot points his pistol at her, but she manages to keep her composure. She raises her hands in a gesture of peace, careful not to make any sudden movements. My apologies for startling you, little robot, Isabella says, her voice steady and sincere. I assure you I meant no harm. The water genasi scoffing remark elicits a small smile from Isabella, appreciating the jest in her tone. She nods in acknowledgement. It did take a lot of my nerve to reveal myself to you all, but it seems like I was never really hidden from you Insight eight. Isabella's gaze shifts to Tempest. She meets her gaze steadily, a hint of admiration in her expression. I can see that your crew is experienced and perceptive, especially in picking up on my movements, Isabella acknowledges. Safia's butchering of her name causes Isabella's eye to twitch for a moment. She takes a deep breath and gives Sophia an understanding nod, appreciating her effort. Isabella's ruby eyes flicker with a mixture of relief and curiosity as she listens to Sophia's response. Her facade of toughness wavers slightly, revealing glimpses of vulnerability hidden beneath the surface. She nods appreciatively at Sophia's gesture of being weaponless, sensing the genuine intention behind it. Thank you, Sophia. Isabella replies, her voice softer now, the tremor barely concealed. Your offer is more than generous, and I assure you I am more than capable of assisting in your explorations. No funny business, I promise. I'll do anything I can to help you, if you can promise me a way off this island, maybe some clean clothes as well. She tries to muster a faint smile, attempting to project confidence, despite the fear lingering within her. Duffy waved her sword about as she gestured in conversation, the grip on it only tightening as she plastered a strained smile on her face. She looked mildly psychotic. Do you like games? I love them. Deep water sports are fun. Very deep down into the depths, where it's dark and hidden. Welcome aboard. However long that may be, she spun away from the newcomer abruptly her hand shielding her eyes from the sun as she scanned and looked about the landscape before them. Shit! she mumbled, unable to navigate where they should go first. Intelligence six! Right then! Off we go! Isabella. Duffy narrowed her eyes ever so slightly before flourishing her free hand for Isabella to take the lead. Mildly suspicious of the stranger's sudden appearance, she was not about to be the first one to end up on a spit roast.
Slow down, Duffy. Let's see what the newcomer knows about the shiny structure we saw and how to approach it. And what else lives on this island? Don't want to go in blind. But most of all, I want to know why you are here. Rob Otto says, showing his intelligence. That's good, Isabella. I would imagine an heiress to be capable. Tempest tosses out casually. She flashes a knowing grin to her comrades. And if she isn't, I'm certain Daddy would handsomely reward anyone responsible for his little angel's return. Sounds about right, Is. The little robot puts his pistol away in the cross-draw holster and readjusts his hat after all the action. He takes a more relaxed posture, trying to let the woman put her guard down. Safia's eyes twinkle with realization at Tempest's words and smile. Oh, so sorry for the rough introduction, your grace. Sophia bows, her grin the same as Tempest's. It was hard to tell you were loaded. I mean, well to do judging by your current ah. Uh, look! Duffy startled at the declaration, before a mischievous smile of her own spread across her face, silently plotting possible outcome. To ensure the newcomer doesn't feel too opposed by the group, Especially now that the point of her value has been made apparent, Tempest moves towards her at a casual pace. The predatory intensity of her gaze stands at odds with her relaxed gait, soft leather, kicking up gentle sprays of sand as she closes with Isabella. Every rip in her dress, every welt, bruise, bug bite, and line of exhaustion builds a mental picture of Isabella's last week in Tempest's mind. Investigation 18 she suddenly feels more sympathy as it becomes apparent this is a real person in need. Not just a valuable mark, but she thinks to herself she is still a valuable mark. Taking a step back, as Duffy waves her sword around, Isabella is trying to figure out how to respond to her sudden talk about game. She is stopped cold by Tempest's words. The mention of her father, breaking the facade she had been trying to keep up, Deception 10, tears start to well up in her eyes, but she quickly dries them with the back of her sleeve. Realizing her stupid mistake of saying her full name out loud, giving her heritage away like an idiot, she looks at group in front of her and sighs. I'm sorry to disappoint, but I am almost certain that my father would not be giving out any rewards for my return, mostly due to the fact that he was brutally executed along with my mother, after being overthrown by a coalition of rogue nobles, being led by a wrench of a woman with a false claim. To the throne, she says all this while trying to hold her composure, standing with a straight back. Her look shifts to Sophia, so your grace no longer am afraid. Hoping answering their questions will secure their trust and away off the island, Isabella looks to the little robot to answer his query, I was luckily able to escape before my own execution with the help of a group of loyalists to the throne. They got me on a ship that was supposed to get me as far away from our kingdom as possible. I am unsure of where it was headed. All I know is that we never arrived. She shudders as she relives the memory of that night. I went to sleep on the second night of our journey. The next thing I know is the sounds of screams, shouts, fighting, and burning. I don't remember much. I think I must have hit my head, cause I remember a sharp pain from the back of my head. The next thing I know, I woke up on the shore of this horrible island. She looks to her tattered clothes 
and to the state of her scarred hands, I do not know how long it has been since then. I lost track of the days some time ago, as surviving has been my only goal. You can't imagine how relieved I was when I saw your ship. I tried to signal you, so you would come save me. She looks to the mirror at her side. After listening to Isabella's tale, Tempest says don't be afraid, friend. We're much nicer than we look. As long as you answer one question correctly. Mmm, persuasion sixteen. She leans in closely, a not entirely unpleasant mix of an unwashed body and the hint of a syrupy sweetness on her breath, likely the remnants of a foraged meal from early. How do you feel? About potatoes? When Tempest walks up to her, she unwillingly scrounges her nose from the smell potatoes. The peasant's food? In sight fifteen, Isabella asks very confused, while raising an eyebrow at the unexpected question. Sophia listens to the sour story, and knows that Isabella's words ring true. In sight eighteen? Lucky you made it out alive, then. She walks up to put a sympathetic hand on Isabella's shoulder. Also, potatoes are the pirate's food. Sophia's voice is corrective with an undercurrent of playfulness. In time, it'll be your best friend, lover, God, you'll see. She snickers before looking over at the structures, dotting the base of the mountain off in the distance. Why didn't you take refuge in any of those buildings there? Nobody willing to help you out. If the captain is okay with it, you could be a pirate. It's more than being a noble or princess. We get potatoes and gunpowder, Rob says, with an evil smile. Duffy exhaled quietly, feeling significantly more relaxed at Isabella's story, and shrugged to herself. Anything goes funny with this one, and there's enough hungry sea creatures roaming about. She thrust her rapier back into her belt before clapping Isabella on the shoulder with too much enthusiasm. Strength sixteen, and laughed heartily. Stick with us. We'll whip you up into proper rough shape well enough. She said with a wink. She leaned into Isabella and whispered theatrically, Don't bring any socks aboard. And not one single damn potato. Duffy cleared her throat and added as an afterthought, Apologies for them. Improper introductions. I am Duffy, she announced, with an exaggerated curtsy and flourish of her arm. Isabella listens attentively to Sophia's words, grateful for her understanding and sympathetic gesture. She manages a faint smile at Sophia's playful comment about potatoes, finding a glimmer of humor in the situation. I didn't take refuge in those buildings because of the giant spider that has made it its home, Isabella explains, her voice tinged with a hint of fear. When I first got here, I went up there to see if I could use it as a shelter. Everything was covered in webs. It wasn't long before the spider sensed my presence and attacked. I barely made it away with my life. She shudders thinking about the disgusting creature. Isabella turns her attention to Rob, pondering his offer to become a pirate. The evil smile on his face raises a mix of curiosity and concern within her pirate. Ha! She muses aloud. It's certainly a different path than the one I've known, and I'm not sure that it's a lifestyle that's fit for me, but at this point, I'm willing to consider anything that helps me survive and find a way off this accursed island. Duffy's energetic reaction and jovial laughter catch Isabella off guard, but she can't help but chuckle at the pirate's enthusiasm. 
She appreciates the light-heartedness in Duffy's approach, providing a brief respite from the grim circumstances. You are all certainly a peculiar bunch, and I must say I don't understand your obsession with potatoes and... Socks? But it's a pleasure to meet you all. Even under these circumstances, she curtsies, her bureaucratic former life showing through. She looks to the little robot and the sea elf. I'm sorry, I didn't get your names. Oh, yes, you are right. Skipped right over that when I pointed the pistol at you. I am Rob Otto Nick, the little robot says, as he removes his hat and gives her a bow showing his hairless silver head. Eyes light up at the mention of the giant spider. She looks around the group. Betcha! We could tame it! Sophia scrunches her face at Tempest's bet and shakes her head before throwing her arm over her CL friend. This apparent spider-whisperer is Tempest, by the way. She points a thumb at her before continuing. Now, Temp, having a giant spider as a pet is a big responsibility. It's way different than having dolphin friends. For one, spiders can't breathe underwater. Did I not mention that? My apologies. Preoccupied, I suppose. Sticks her tongue out at Sophia. Someone has never met a diving bell spider, and it shows. I'm pretty sure you're the only one that's seen one of those. Yeah, tuna fish, Sophia retorts, while ruffling her friend's hair with a laugh. In any case, we should be able to handle a giant spider, be it making niceties or mean setties with it. Sophia steps to the side and gestures to the path ahead. Everyone all right with heading out, or should we have a rest? Rob takes out his pistol and twirls it in his hands, showing off for the newcomer before holstering it and saying, Let's go burn a spider sleight of hand sixteen. I rest. Are you exhausted from watching Duffy and I row? Or was it the harmonica that did ye in? I'll bet it was the music. She jokes sarcastically. Isabella looks at the crew, bantering, and smiles. It's nice finally knowing everyone's names. She looks towards the structures in the distance, and then back to you all really plan to fight the spider? It's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, she shudders. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that you're here, but why are you here? And what can I do to help so we can get it done and get out of this place? Duffy scoffed at Isabella's hurry and waggled her finger at her. That's not very piratey nor adventurous of you. She paused as she peered into the distance, hands on her hips. I am, however, on the same page with you on that spike. The sky seems to darken as an eerie melody floats through the air. It's a haunting chorus, like a blend of whale song and the haunting tones of a windhawk. Harmonious yet alien, soothing but strange, it seems to come from the very water itself. It sends chills down your spine as it seems to resonate with the core of your being. Those of you familiar with the ancient lore recognize it as the distinctive symphony of Triton music. Before long, you also begin to perceive a change in the atmosphere. The sea seems to grow more turbulent, its waves larger and its mood more tempestuous. Soon, in the distance, you see a formation of shapes cutting through the water at high speed. They appear to be Tritons, mounted on massive sea creatures. Their tridents gleam in the waning light of the setting sun, forming an intimidating tableau against the backdrop of the open sea. It's the Triton War Party, 
a formidable force feared across the realms. <laughs> History 18, Perception 26. Nat 20 Tempest is the first to recognize the Triton's arrival and what it means. She and her people have a long history with them. Her blood runs colder than usual and the good humor drops from her face. Follow me. Now, we need to leave and the spider is far less worrisome. Duffy slowly turned around at the sounds coming from the ocean at her back, hands still resting on her hips. Her jaw drops in disbelief and dread before she draws out a long no. Ooh, ooh, the adventure I was T. I-L-K-I-N-G-A-B-O-U-T. History 16, her hand reaching for her rapier once more as she started to jog backwards toward the tree line as fast as her feet would carry her. Dexterity 19. Seeing Duffy bolt off like a terrified streak of lightning, she begins to follow suit. Athletics 14, or follow Duffy, she wheezes out trying to keep up. The little gnome starts to turn to run for the tree line, but his feet get tangled and he ends up on his round shield, looking like S. Turtle flipped on its back. Isabella sees Duffy and Tempest, look behind her before beginning to run away from the shore. Looking over her shoulder, she sees the Tritons, beginning to run herself, before having turned her attention fully away from Tritons, to try and keep up with the others, why are we runner? She begins to ask, before tripping over the flipped rob, falling face-first into the sand. Athletics 3! Safia knows that these people are Triton, and that's it. History 9, when she looks over to tease Tempest and Duffy that their in-laws are here, she only sees their backsides hustling for cover. The half-elf looks back with reappraisal at the newcomers and can only see them as threats, judging by her friend's reactions. Insight 8! Shit! Sophia mutters as she pivots on her heel and manages to keep her footing in the sand as she dashes then dives towards Rob and Isabella, entangled on the floor. Acrobatics 22, she's unable to get either up without effort and instead chooses to stand as cover in front of them against the army. Athletics 3. Evening, are you all here on vacation? We were just leaving, so... She speaks in Aquan a language she'd picked up from spending too much time with Tempest and Duffy. Safia's hands hover by her blades, but her smile is the sharpest weapon she's wielding. Persuasion 11, she had hoped that her gift, or curse of gab, depending on who you asked, would buy Rob and Isabella enough time to get up and out of there. In the tense moment, Safia takes action, moving with feline grace, despite the peril. The sight of Tempest and Duffy's rapid retreat sets off warning bells, even if the specifics elude her. She bounds towards Rob and Isabella, demonstrating the agile maneuvers for which she's known. But when she tries to help them up, her strength fails her, the sudden rush, the fear, the adrenaline, it all takes its toll. So she makes her stand, putting herself between her prone companions and the impending threat. Her fingers twitch near her blades, poised for action, yet showing restraint. As the first words in Aquan escape her lips, there's an immediate reaction among the Triton riders. They falter, their forward rush, slowing as they glance towards each other in surprise. It's clear they didn't expect to be addressed in their native language, especially with such a disarming blend of respect and bravado. And that smile, cutting through the tension like a finely honed blade, seems to give them pause. 
Safia's strategy seems to be working, buying precious moments for her companions. The Triton war party slows their approach, their warlike demeanor ebbing slightly as they try to assess this unexpected turn of events. Will it be enough? Scrambling in the sand, Isabella gets her face out of the sand and herself untangled from Rob, Acrobatics 23. Her focus is only on getting away from the Tritons and not getting left behind by her only way of the island. She can hear what sounds like Safia's voice, but speaking in a language she doesn't understand. She looks at backs of Duffy and Tempest running, and then down to the fallen Rob, trying to decide if she should help him up or run inside 15. Come on, take my hand, and let's get out of here, reaching her hand to Rob, trying to help him. Help action to Rob, trying to help him. Help action to Rob. With help from Isabella, Rob makes his way off his shell shield and back to his feet. Thank you for the help. But I am not leaving Sophia here by herself. Go ahead and catch up with the others. Hopefully Sophia and I won't be far behind the gnome, says as he comes to stand next to his friend. Don't have to tell me twice. Isabella responds, her voice filled with fear, quickly turning away from Rob and Sophia, running the same way as Duffy and Tempest. The sound of Isabella's footsteps getting farther away was a triumph. It was validation that Sophia's choice to stay was not in vain. She glances down at her chrome friend, standing beside her, and gives him a grateful and proud nod. Fearsome tritons! She begins talking once more with reverence, but firmness in her voice. We are emissaries of the great turtle dragon of the sea. I am Safia, and this is my friend Rob. She gestures to the beautiful armor she wore, altered with the turtle dragon's scales, as proof of her word. Why have you come? Surely you do not see us, meek and fumbling as we are, as a threat to your territory? I did not think we deserved your audience. Each word was intentional yet melodic. If they were anything like her other water-loving friends, then surely they'd enjoy having their ego stroked too. Her impressive perception allows her to track the progress of her party towards the spider shack while in a dead sprint. Something doesn't feel right. She turns to see Sophia making a heart-wrenchingly brave but foolish stand against what Tempest believes to be enthralled Tritons. She yells to Duffy, Get the others to safety! only realizing a second later, as she was already sprinting back to Sophia, that planned safety was a giant spider's lair. Safia, it's the Aboleth. You can't reason with them. We have to go. Now, Persuasion 16. Concerned her friend will try to reason further, she grabs her arm in an iron grasp, fueled by her concern for the potato-loving musician. Athletics 22. She nearly rips her off her feet as she moves them back towards the party. Duffy, who had been running for the outskirts of the array of buildings, whipped around and halted to find Tempest running back for the others, while yelling for her to get the others to safety. She threw up her hands, although Tempest couldn't see. W-H-E-O-T-H-E... You're all back there, holding an audience with death? The Triton War Party watches closely as the events unfold, their progress still paused by Sophia's words and the strange back and forth of the group. They seem to be taking Sophia's claims into consideration, their eyes lingering on her turtle dragon-scale armor. However, it's clear that they're still on edge. 
A few of the Tritons have a distant look in their eyes, their expressions blank and eerily calm. Safia's soothing words seem to penetrate through this vacant expression, causing some of them to visibly flinch. Rob stands tall next to Safia, supporting her stance with his unwavering presence. His reassurance seems to give her strength, and her speech gains momentum. The Tritons flinch once more when Tempest's voice cuts through the quiet of the evening. Their gazes are drawn to the sea-elf as she breaks away from the group and starts running back towards the standoff. The wariness in their expressions deepens at her words, which suggests something more complex and dangerous at play. From a distance, the Triton leader, distinguished by his ornate armor, exchanges a quick glance with his second-in-command. They appear to be silently debating their next move, their eyes flicking from Tempest and Sophia to the island and then the direction that Isabella and Duffy fled. In this moment of tension, what will you all do? Remember, sometimes a tactical retreat is the best option, but the decision ultimately lies with you. More insistent now. This is not the time. Come! Duffy did not dare venture back toward the party just yet. She knew these were not creatures to toy with. She remained planted where she had stopped to call, after Tempest, scarcely breathing as she watched her crewmates foolishly try to talk their way out of the situation. She tried to grab Rob and Sophia's attention, as loud as she dared, without drawing too much on herself, gesturing harshly for them to make a run for it, but her companions paid her no mind. Persuasion 5, looking over at Tempest as she tries to pull Sophia and him back to the woods. The gnome says they haven't shown any aggression yet, Tempest. Let's see what they are here for, before we run like we run like we did something bad. Turning back to the Triton group, Rob looks over, trying to discern the party intentions, rushing onto the beach like this. Insight, ten. Finally catching up to Duffy, if only because she has stopped running, Isabella stands next to her panting, and looks at her questioningly, What are they doing? I thought we were running away from them. Also, why were we running away from them? Also, also, what's this about an abolath? A look of recognition followed by fear in her eyes. History 13 As Duffy studied the events unfold between her crewmates and the Triton's hand resting readily on her sword, she cast Isabella a quick glance and shook her head at the bombardment of questions that said, Not now, she tilted her head toward the commotion, gesturing to wait and see for herself. Intimidation, sixteen. Before more questions can leave her mouth, Duffy's glance shuts her up. Charisma saved ten, obviously more scared of Duffy, then set on getting answers. My gods, she's intimidating, Isabella thinks, as she follows Duffy's gesture and looks towards whatever is about to go down. Sophia bristles at Tempest's frantic interjection and hold on her arm. The uproar of her friend's arrival undercuts what semblance of decorum she and Rob had built up till now with the Tritons, as small as it may be. She tries to shrug her friend off, but to no avail. The sea elf's fear and resolution keeps her clamped on tight to her arm. Athletics, ten. Finding the moment forfeited, she abandons her words to instead focus on the non-verbal looks shared between the Triton general and second-in-command. Despite being of a different race, she is still able to recognize the look of curiosity and confusion on their faces. Sophia follows their line of sight and looks back towards where Duffy and Isabella ran off to, inside 14, 
I believe they are wondering what we are doing here. They also keep looking back towards where our other friends fled to. She whispers to Rob before sharing a calm smile with Tempest. It will be all right, Tempest. It will be all right, Temp. Persuasion, 13. Sophia straightens her posture and brings herself back up to her full height before addressing the Tritons once more. With a clear voice, she leaves the war party with a verbal line in the sand. We are no threat to you, and as the Turtle Dragon's emissaries, you will leave us be. Intimidation 25? She begins to herd Tempest and rub away from the Tritons with as much dignity and finality as she can until the three of them reach Duffy and Isabella. Sophia's words echo across the sandy beach, an impressive display of assertiveness. The Triton leader and his second-in-command exchange another glance, their expressions unreadable. The tension in the air grows almost tangible, but no weapons are drawn. Instead, after a long moment, the Triton leader nods towards Sophia in a stiff gesture of acknowledgement. Without breaking eye contact, he signals to his troops. The Triton war party lowers their weapons and slowly begin to recede back into the ocean. The Triton's gazes linger on Sophia and her companions, the tension ebbing away, but replaced with a curious wariness. It's clear they're not happy about the situation, but they're willing to let the group leave. For now, Tempest's pleas seem to fall on deaf ears, though Duffy and Isabella's apprehension is palpable even from their safe distance. Despite the nerve-wracking circumstances, the group manages to leave the beach intact and with their dignity. You find yourselves on the edge of the island, catching your breaths as the tritons disappear beneath the ocean waves. The sun is setting, casting long shadows that seem to dance with the flickering lights in the array of buildings in the distance. The evening air is calm, but there's a lingering sense of uncertainty and urgency. What's your next move? Duffy lets out the longest breath feeling nothing but drained relief. She glances at the retreating daylight with wariness and impatience before looking back around at Isabella and the other three along the shoreline. She says in a voice loud enough for her crewmates to hear, Let's get the hell off of the beach, shall we? Slightly deflated at having misread the situation, so horribly she begins to doubt her memories and understandings of what Aboleths are capable of. But no, she remembers clearly the great telepathic beast that enslaved so many sea-dwellers and sent them against her people's land-dwelling cousin. History 17. Correct or overly cautious, she is quiet for the moment and numbly follows Duffy's direction. Yes, of course. Maybe we should pull the boat up further and hide it under some brush before we go further inland. Also, it's getting dark and I don't want to be caught in the dark by a giant spider. Isabella, do you know a safe place where we can rest? Rob says as he watches the Tritons leave. Isabella looks to Rob and nods. Yes, we can go to my shelters. She looks to the waning daylight. It's a bit of a walk from here, but we should be able to get to it before it gets fully dark. Sophia nods along with the next plan, and as the others turn to move on, she hangs back. The proud and resolute smile she held in front of the Tritons falters now that they were out of harm's way. She can feel her heart thumping in her chest. She looks up to see the backs of her friends walking in front of her, and she is happy at the sight of them unharmed. Though she notices that Tempest is notably withdrawn, Sophia comes up to walk beside her 
and speak just loud enough for the sea elf to hear. Mmm, insight eleven. Thank you, Temp, for coming back for me and Rob. There is no musicality to Sophia's tone, only a vulnerable and sobered quality that rarely ever comes from her. I don't think any of us knew what was going on, but one thing was for certain. You came back and stood by us, even though you, Rob, nor I didn't have all the answers. There is a quaver in her hushed voice, belying how scared she really was, but she tries weakly to cover it with a joke. Thanks for covering my chatty ass in case things went south. Deception 9. Always here to help. But I left all my extra pants on the ship, and I might need to change after that. I vote we take shelter with Isabella for the night, and start again with the morning Rob says, with a sly laugh to himself, wonders about Rob's need to change pants for a moment, before voicing her assent. Let's hope there's space for the lot of us, eh? Anything beside your eight-legged friend we need to worry about tonight? It's probably gonna be a tight squeeze, but I think there should be just enough room, Isabella says, as she begins to push her way into the dense foliage, looking back at Tempest as she begins to lead the way towards her hideout. Oh, yeah, there's plenty. There's the venomous snakes, the poisonous frogs, the bloodthirsty bats, the entangling giant fly traps, the boiling quicksand, the... She continues naming things for a while as they make their way. As long as there are no snakes on Snake Island, we should probably take turns with guard. I can shut down for six hours when we get there and then take the rest the little robot offers as he follows Isabella. Raises an eyebrow as Isabella's list goes on and on. I may have misjudged you, princess. That's an impressive list of crap you've survived. I mean, it's no ancient turtle dragon, of course. But still, not bad. Docking under a branch, Isabella answers, sometimes my dad would take me hunting. I never liked it much, but I think if it wasn't for that... I wouldn't have made it stopping for a moment, as the last of Tempest's words sinks in weight. Did you just say ancient dragon turtle? Like from the books and fairy tales? History 16. Oh, you probably mean it's as some kind of metaphor. I get it. She says she... She starts to walk again, stepping around some suspicious-looking sand. Laughs and just shares a knowing smile with her friends. Something like that. This particular history book... Just hasn't been written yet. How much further to this hovel of yours? Landbugs, love my sweet seaborn backside, and I'm about to cleanse this island in fire, if I get bit one more time. She says, while swatting at a horrifyingly large flying beetle, that he's one of many to die at her hand on this trip. Rob reaches into a pouch on his vest, and pulls out a dragon turtle scale he had been tinkering with. See, this is a scale from said turtle. I'm making it into a helper for me, he explains. Duffy whistles in agreement at Tempest's remark to Isabella. Impressive indeed, you may just make a fine crewmate, yet. She pulls out a small crude container filled with a mixture of sand and various plant leaves and proceeds to scrub it over her exposed skin as they trudge up the beach. Duffy believed she had found a tried and true concoction for bug repellent passed around by word of mouth at the last port. She whistled a merry tune as she threw the canister back into her pouch, her skin turning aggressively red and irritated from the useless scrub. Medicine, eight. Sophia watches with interest at Duffy, 
scrubbing herself aggressively with sand as they walked. I'm no expert, but is your skin supposed to look as red as a crab's Madison Eleven? The half-elf then grabs a random barb-looking herb from the ground and hands it to the water genasi. Try this. It looks like it'll help. Nature five, she then stumbles over an overgrown root in the ground while shooting Duffy a finger gun. Survival nine. Duffy gingerly plucks the mysterious herb from Sophia's hands, deciding it couldn't possibly be any worse than the garbage she rubbed over herself. Nature eleven, she rolls it over her angry skin. Thanks, sake. But the rubbing only irritated the rapidly growing burning rash. Further, medicine four. K R A K E N S A S S A H H H G. Duffy huffed as she fell to her knees, holding her arms out and trying to ignore the burning on her face. She looked up at her bewildered, wide-eyed companions. Shoulder, got one of you to give the old rub down instead of my useless hands. Looking over at Duffy and Sophia with the herbs, he doesn't think they are using the right plant. Nature seventeen. But not having to worry about bugs, diseases, or rashes, he doesn't know for sure. Medicine six. I don't think the bugs are that bad. The little robot says, trying to fit in with his organic crewmates. Deception fifteen. Keeping her gaze forward, Isabella answers Tempest. It's not too long now. If there's no distractions, we should be there just before it gets dark. Quickly looking back and then stopping dead when Rob takes out the scale weight. What? You're not joking about the dragon turtle, how's that even, Posy? Before she can finish her questions, she's cut off by Sophia's stumbling, as well as Duffy's exclamation and subsequent falling. Oh, that's not good. I'm pretty sure that those leaves are called agony acres. I think those are used to incapacitate bullywugs. Nature seventeen. She looks concerned at Duffy, but takes a step back, making sure not to touch the leaves. But I have no idea what they does to Eladrin's medicine for. Meh. Medicine thirteen. Well, don't know what y'all are rubbing all over yourselves, but I do know that getting it off you is likely better than adding more of that smelly crap. Here, she takes her waterskin and begins rinsing the angriest parts of Duffy's exposed skin. What a mess! Better pick up the pace, there, Valerian. The eighty-six there. This one snoring already sounds like a walrus mating call. Hate to see what inflammation adds to that lovely tune. Duffy flashes Tempest a grateful smile as her friend helps rinse off the sand and vegetation. She scoffs. Ha! Says the one passed out before ever seeing the bottom of their drink. Laughs, but can't suppress the blush that dramatically alters her pale green cast skin tone. It's just difficult for me to not be first at things. I guess. She then returns her attention to the path. Even though Isabella leads the way, she tries to keep her eyes on the lookout for any hazards along the way. The increasingly dense foliage doesn't help. Survival eleven. Your hovel wouldn't happen to have hot water and a copper tub, would it, Isabella? Hot water. Yes, copper tub. No, Isabella answers matter-of-factly, but it's too close to dark to start to boil water. The fire isn't worth the risk of the things that seek the light in the dark. Her words spoken as someone who had to learn it the hard way. The foliage begins to clear a bit, letting in more of the fading sunlight. 
A relatively massive mosquito lands on Safia's shoulder, and Tempest reacts instinctively to crush it under her open palm with a loud smack of skin on skin. Athletics 12, Dex save 11, gotcha. Shit, Temp. Safia's more startled than hurt, but she still levies a disgusted look on her face upon seeing the messy aftermath of mosquito bites on her own shoulder and Tempest's hand. Con save 17. See me, you bug slapper. She manages to snatch Tempest's other hand and use it to quickly wipe off her shoulder with a self-satisfied smile. Thanks. Slate of hand 15. That bug was almost the size of my head, Rob said, exaggerating. Or hoping he is doing that right? Deception 20. As the group pushes through the dense foliage, it suddenly parts revealing Isabella's makeshift shelter standing in front of them. It's a humble and haphazard construction, clearly born out of necessity, rather than craftsmanship. It looks like she has relied on the limited resources available to her on the island, resulting in a shelter that appears rough and barely held together. The structure is composed of a mishmash of materials scavenged from the surrounding environment and debris that washed up on the shore. Crude wooden poles, Likely fallen tree branches form the framework of the shelter, their uneven lengths and jagged edges giving it an untamed appearance. It's evident that Isabella struggled to find suitable pieces, resulting in a structure that leans slightly to one side. The roof is a patchwork of large leaves, ripped and torn, providing only partial coverage against the elements. The leaves are crudely woven and secured to the framework with vines and twine, but gaps are visible, allowing glimpses of the sky above. Rainwater drips through the imperfections, hinting at the shelter's limited protection during storms. The walls consist of a combination of woven vines, makeshift curtains of long grass, and scraps of torn fabric salvaged from the shipwreck. The materials are roughly attached to the framework, some barely hanging on, revealing glimpses of the interior from certain angles. It's clear that Isabella's focus was on functionality rather than aesthetics or structural stability. Inside, the shelter is sparsely furnished. A lumpy bed, made from a jumble of leaves and moss, covers the ground, providing a rudimentary place to rest. A small hearth, made from stacked rocks, serves as a cooking area, with remnants of charred wood and ashes, suggesting previous fire. The surroundings bear witness to her struggle to survive. Broken branches and discarded items are scattered haphazardly, serving as crude tools. It's a scene of makeshift solutions and makeshift survival where functionality takes precedence over finesse. Isabella looks to the fading sun, almost completely gone at this point. Looks like we made it just in time. She looks back to the crew as they enter the clearing. Sorry for the mess. I didn't expect guests, she says jokingly with a half-smile, as she tries to replicate some of the banter she has heard. The others exchange. Duffy took in her surroundings, at the sight of Isabella's sanctuary, the signs of her survival, evident on every surface. She ran a finger along the structure, rubbing invisible debris between her thumb and forefinger, as she broke into a grin. I suppose it must do! She winced as she smiled the action, setting off the pain of the still very red and angry burning reaction done to her face. Looks like everything you would need. I can shut down and then do two and and three, 
Old watch Rob offers as the group settles into Isabella's place. Duffy nods at Rob and looks about the group. I'll take first, seeing as there's no way in hell I'll be getting any rest right now, she states, as she savagely scratches at her now itchy skin. Walks right in and finds a soft pile amidst the chaos, which she hardly notices. She sits on her claimed nest and pulls off her custom footwear. Resembling standard boots at a glance, they're extremely thin, lightweight, and form-fitting, so as not to impede underwater movement. The material is obviously a rare aquatic hide, as it repels water magnificently. For all of the consideration of their design, however, when Tempest removes them, the small space immediately fills with a reek that you're certain you could taste. Nice place. Quite cozy, really. I'll be up before the sun, so the watch sounds good to me. Wake me when you're done if I'm not up already, Rob. She props her head on the putrid-smelling boots without seeming to notice the musk and is snoring within a minute. Isabella scrunches up her nose from the smell of Tempest boots. Not a fan of the smell, but deciding that not commenting on it would be the smartest decision to make at the moment. Even with the putrid smell from Tempest, Isabella falls quickly asleep. For the first time in weeks, she can go to sleep feeling just the smallest amount of safety 